Uh, good to have all of you here. As some of you know, our pastor is with a team of people in Amman, Jordan, with some of our young adults. And so be praying for them this week as they're over there. Uh, thrilled that they're able to go over there and just hear what God is doing in the world and hear from him and what he wants to do. And he's going to speak to us. Isn't that right? So go back a little bit ago. I was talking about family. Just kind of to jump into our, our message this morning. When, when I say the word family table, what pops into your mind? What kind of images and emotions and thoughts and things go through your mind? I mean, you know, we all can recall our family table growing up and, and it brings back some memories that are good, some that are not, some it's cold, some it's warm, some it's distant, some it's close, some it's dysfunctional, whatever, you know, we all have different thoughts that pop in your mind when you think about your family table. Uh, it's just an interesting dynamic there, right? And uh, some of it's fun, some of it's serious. Ours was loud, it was crazy. Seven brothers and sisters and my mom and dad. I mean, our table, it had leaves on both ends and you pulled them out, it was gigantic. And it was just, it was chaos, it was craziness. Uh, but it was fun, It's absolutely fun. So, you know, we all have, but, so you know, you think about family and have you ever wondered, I know we, we do this a lot, but I want you to really think about what it must have been like to be in Jesus's family. Think about that. I mean, can you imagine what it's like to be one of his brothers and sisters and, and, and be a part of his family? So what I want to do is just kind of take a, a moment and just look at the family of Jesus for a minute before we get into our text in Luke chapter 8. We're going to continue in Luke today. Uh, but for years, you know, in Jesus' family, things have been pretty much normal. Uh, Jesus is the older brother, and uh, he's working with his dad, Joseph. He's learning his trade and, and doing all the things that he does. As years go by, more and more brothers and sisters come into the family, of course. And at some point, you know, Joseph passes away, we think. We don't really know because he's not really mentioned in, anywhere in Jesus' adult ministry. But, you know, you can imagine if that happens, of course, Jesus takes on more responsibility and more authority in the family. Uh, maybe some of his brothers and sisters looked up to him. Maybe some of them didn't. I don't know. There could have been sibling rivalry as there is in probably any and every family. Maybe, sort of, I don't know. But somewhere in Jesus's 30th year, uh, news of a prophet reaches Nazareth and in a few months, everyone's talking about him. And it's this, pro this prophetic guy, John the baptizer, who is acting and speaking a whole lot like the prophet of old Elijah. And he's on the scene and, and of course, they figure out that, you know, this John the Baptist is, you know, they're related to him somehow. And so Jesus goes to check him out. And uh, this is kind of when it all starts. Word gets back to Nazareth that not only does John baptize Jesus when he goes and sees John, but like hundreds of other people, uh, John also, in the midst of seeing Jesus and baptizes him, says some very interesting things about Jesus, right? And... Jesus is one that John has been waiting for. He's the one that John's been talking about and the, the one that the nation's been waiting for. And so you can only imagine when some of the, these bits of news start to make its way back home to Nazareth, to Mary and her brothers and sisters, his brothers and sisters, what, you know, what are they thinking? You know, for, for Mary, of course, you know, it says in the word of God, you know, she pondered a lot of these things in her heart. So, you know, as she's hearing these things, you know, memories about, you know, Angels and shepherds and miraculous pregnancy and, and a manger in Bethlehem and, and, and Simeon and Anna in the temple and all of them proclaiming this good news about the baby and these wealthy um, people coming from the east who bring gifts to this baby king, all this stuff. And, and, and then the fearful moment when 
they have to hurry up and get over to Egypt because there's this crazy adult king named Herod who's out for him because he thinks that Jesus is a contender for the throne. So they have to hurry. They have to get to Egypt. And they're dealing with all this because, you know, the king wants to kill all the babies in the area, of course. Joseph and Mary grab Jesus. They go to, they go to Egypt. Until, and they stay there until they hear that the all is clear from Herod and he's dead and there's no more threat. So, you know, those are some heady and, and wild days. I mean, days filled with a whole lot of emotion and drama, right? So, so within a few years, the family moves back to their home in Nazareth and like pretty much went back to normal until, you know, Je- Jesus is 12 and that whole scare where Jesus gets lost in the temple and they're looking for him. I better move this over or I'm going to be clicking all through this. And so, you know, Jesus gets lost in the temple and, and, you know, it's a little bit of a scare and they get a little, things get a little tense, but that's, but now it's, he's 30. So this is like 18 years ago. So a lot of normal life and a lot of normalcy life has kind of pretty much gone back to normal at this moment. And so now here's John, he's baptizing and a change comes over Jesus and he leaves, he gets baptized. He disappears for 40 days in the desert. He's gone, no word of knowing where he's at. Nobody has any idea. And of course, if you're Mary and your family, it's like, he goes and gets baptized and he disappears. I don't, what's going on? But a shift happens in Jesus' life and ministry right here. And finally, they hear that Jesus is alive and well. And of course, you can imagine they're very relieved by that. But at the same time, they're hearing news about John the Baptist. And that's sad. But at the same time, Mary's excited because, well, Jesus is okay. But news again starts coming that he's preaching and he's teaching and things are going on. And he's, there's crowds following him. And there's miracles going on. People are being miraculously healed. There's demons who are being cast out. So, you know, this is interesting news. It's just filtering back to Nazareth. And Wow. So, you, you know, again, if you're a family, if you're married, you're hearing all this. Imagine all the emotions, all the thoughts that's going through their head. Brothers and sisters, you know, again, you're brothers and sisters with Jesus. And you're hearing this news and you're thinking, I mean, do you think that brothers and sisters, do you think they expected anything? Do you think they had an, under, an inkling and knowing what was going on and what was coming and all that kind of stuff? Do you, was there anything that was pointing to all of this? You know, you just kind of wonder. But more news keeps coming in about what Jesus is up to. In fact, it's sounding like Jesus is kind of making his way back to their hometown. And he does. He comes home for a little while. And then while he's home for a little bit, he, jumped, he goes to the synagogue. And that's when things get really fun. He goes to the synagogue and it starts off well enough. Jesus, the former woodworker, now traveling preacher, is asked to read the scroll. And so he picks up the scroll of Isaiah and he starts to read it. And, he, and it's the passage that describes the Messiah, the anointed one. And, and so the one that God promised who would send to bring and deliverance to the nation. And Jesus says, by the way, this is now fulfilled. And people start looking at each other. Eyebrows are going up. Excuse me, did he just say this is fulfilled right now? This woodworker, this, that's the boy that lives right, you know, that's Mary and Joseph's son, right? Did he just say that this is fulfilled now? What's up with that? You know, so eyebrows are going up. I mean, you can imagine the hometown's iffy. They're doubting, they're wondering, what, how does this local carpenter all of a sudden become a preacher? And, and now they're kind, of, they're kind of angry at what he's insinuating here. He's saying he is the fulfillment of this prophecy. So... Of course, Jesus' neighbors get ticked off and they do, they grab him and they're going to go chuck him off a cliff somewhere. So they go outside of the town there in Nazareth and they're getting ready to chuck him off a cliff. So imagine though that you're Mary you're, and your siblings, what do you think when they, you see them, all, you know, you hear Jesus say that and you are kind of even wondering, do you kind of agree with them or not? I'm not sure if I 
really agree with what Jesus said there. Because, you know, they had a hard time believing some of this stuff. You look through the, the Gospels and you'll see that they, they, they had to come to believe these things. What do they do with all that, you know? Do they, what, do they jump in with the townspeople and, and do this? Or, but this is their brother. This is their son. So, but at the same time, he's being disrespectful to God's people because he's saying that he's the Messiah. And, you know, they know that they're the chosen one, but hey, hold on. So to them, this is just really odd. So if someone else's kid was doing that, you can only imagine somebody else's kid was saying that. But this was their son. This was their brother saying this. So strangely, in the middle of this huge posse that's going out in the edge of the town to throw him off the cliff, all of a sudden Jesus just walks out of the, the posse. He walks out of this crowd and he just escapes. You know, who knows? Does he hug mom, dad, sisters? I don't know. He just, he's, he's gone. There he, you know, he's in town. <laughs> He stirs all this up, and then he's gone again. So he's out, Once, and he's out there. And, so they, and again, news, you know, he's out there preaching and teaching, and news keeps filtering back to Nazareth. He's teaching and preaching, and crowds are gathering, and some of the stuff he says is amazing. He's preaching with authority and creativity, and the things that he's saying, the parables, the message of grace and hope, and the style that he's preaching is just, it's different. You know, it's not at all like what they're used to hearing. And so, from, especially from the religious leaders, you know, from the Pharisees. And speaking of the Pharisees, you know, uh, the establish, these establishment guys from Jerusalem don't really like him, of course. And Mary finds out that they're really on to him and they're following him everywhere. And they're, 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 they're questioning him, they're confronting him. And so you can imagine what that feels like for Mary. It's like, you know, the established religious leaders aren't really on, don't really like your son. Top it all off, they hear that, you know, Jesus is raising people from the dead. So, again, all this news is coming back to the family. So how do you feel if you're Mary? I mean, if, if you're hearing this news, sooner or later you're saying, I've got to go see this. I've got to go check this out. I've got to go find this out. And so, you know, they find out that he's in a town not too far away. And it says here that, you know, it's, it's, just, it's about a day's journey. So they pack up some stuff and they head over and they're going to go see Jesus. So on their way, they, they go to this neighboring town, following the, the roads out of town to the next town. And as they arrive into town, you know, some, you know, the town's buzzing. You know, Jesus is there preaching, and there's this crowd in this house, and it's just, it's engulfing. It's, you know, everywhere he goes, it's just huge, so much so that the people can't get into it because it's such a big crowd. But, you know, again, they've heard the stories about the crowd, but then they come and they see the crowd, and they're like, wow, this is, wow. And this is your son speaking. This is your brother speaking. These people come to hear your brother, your son speaking, and there they are. So you kind of have this mixture of pride and excitement because you see all this that's going on, and wow. The only time you've really ever seen a crowd like that is maybe when you go into the festivals of Jerusalem, but here you are out here, and they're out here to see your son. Man, this is, this is amazing. The whisper comes down the lane that, you know, Jesus is up there in the house, and he's preaching. He's talking about a farmer throwing some seeds, and people are trying to figure out what in the world he's talking about. So, you know, they, they, they move forward, and they start to get frustrated because, again, it's a crowd. You know how it is. If you ever try to get to... The front of a stage, it's crowded. <laughs> uh, you know, it's more and more difficult. They're trying to press in. They're trying to press in. They're, they're just, all they want to do is just, they just want to see Jesus. They, just kind of, they want to get in and see Jesus. They keep pushing. They keep pushing. And so they get close enough. And they can, like anybody else, they can hear what Jesus is saying. And that, that brings us to our text here in Luke chapter 8, verse 16. And here's what, they, here's what they're hearing Jesus say. No one... After lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on, on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret 
<coughs> excuse me, that will not be made known and come to light. Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has more will be given, and to the one who has not, even what he thinks he has, it will be taken away. So meanwhile, so they hear that. Somehow people find out this is Mary's mom and her brothers. So they're pushing the news back up to Jesus. Hey, your mother and brothers are here. It says in verse 19, and his mother and brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowds. And he was told, Jesus was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. So you can imagine silence. Jesus is talking. They tell him that. I mean, what do you want him to say? What do you hope Jesus is going to say in this? This is your mother and your brothers. You're hoping he's going to say, what? My mother and brothers, send them in. I've been waiting to say, I haven't seen him for a long time. Or my mom, yes, send her on in. But no, that's not what happens. What does he do? He turns to the crowd and here's what he says instead. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Wow. That's pretty, that's pretty icy. And really, if your mom and your mother and brothers, and he just turns you into a teaching moment, right? I mean, if you're married, does your heart just kind of drop down in your feet? It's like, yeah, wow. I, I, I was just wanting to come see my son, right? So, you know, as painful as that situation is, the thing is, this was a, an important, the, I, I think the only reason that Jesus would say something like that, or part of the reason, is this was a critical moment. This was a turning point message. I really believe that. That what he's saying here is, a, is just different. There's, he's, going to, he's going to turn the page and they're going to go somewhere a little different than where they've been so far. So number one, Jesus makes it really clear what the family of, of God looks like. I, I want, you know, you can wonder, does it break Mary's heart? But let me just say this. I don't think so. I don't think it broke Mary's heart because Mary became a true devoted follower of Jesus. She really did. She pursued Jesus. And we have to remember she was one, and, and throughout the book, uh, you know, you'll see that she was one of the deep followers of Jesus. You get over in the book of Acts, after Jesus ascends and goes up into heaven, the, the, you know, the, the crowds go away, things get quiet. And they're sent away and there's 120 left that are in the upper room praying. And what does it say in verse 14? They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. So Mary was there. She was devoted. Was that that an icy moment? Yes. But you know what? It didn't keep her from following Jesus. I think she got it. You also, you, you know, you remember his brothers were there too, Right. And, and you'll, if you look over in John chapter 7, you'll find out things weren't always, you know, his brothers didn't get it right away either. They kind of almost poked fun at him in chapter 7 about his fame and where he was. They, they had to come to their place of believing too. It wasn't like they just got it right away. But back at that crowded house that day was James, the brother of Jesus. And he heard that message. <laughs> he heard it loud and clear. I mean, but James writes his book in the, in the New Testament, and you would think in the writing that book that maybe he would milk that relationship. James, brother of Jesus, you know. But he doesn't even, he doesn't even do that. He says, James, slave of Jesus, or the, the servant of Jesus. That's how he identifies himself. And he get you know, and one of the first things right out of the gate in, John, in, in James chapter one that James says is this, 
and James 1.22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Doesn't that sound like our text? My, mother's, my mother and brothers and sisters are those who hear the word of God and do it. Then, I mean, do you think he, he heard that message? Don't you think of all the messages that he heard, that he got, he got that one? When they walked up and they hear Jesus say, my mother and brothers are the ones who hear the word of God and do it. That, that, that stuck with them because you see that right there. Anyone who listens to the word of God but does not do it, it says it's like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. So it sounds like, again, just really sounds like this, this text that we're looking at, doesn't it? So, you know, again, is Jesus saying, you know, that normal family relationships aren't important? No, we should have great family relationships. He's just simply talking about, to people about, do you really want to be part of the spiritual family of Jesus? Here's what it's going to take. Up till now, here's what you've heard, here's what you've been struggling to believe, and here's what you know. But if you really, if you really want to come close, if you really want to become family, here's what you're going to have to do. And so, you know, he, he knows that. He recognized that. It's, it's absolutely pointless, just like lighting a candle and, or just like looking at yourself in a, in a mirror if you don't do these things. And that's, that's what he's likening it to. If, you can, if, if all you're doing is hearing and it doesn't go anywhere beyond that, it's pointless. That's, that's the message of, of, of the text of Luke 16 or uh, verses 16 through 18. It has to be about something. It's unto something. All this stuff that's been invested into you, it's unto something. And so that's what he's getting to. And so, again, that's the message that he's trying to... So the reality is, you know, he's asking them to go further. And so there's two things that he mentions here. If, if we're going to be part of the, spirit, the, the, the spiritual family of Jesus, there's two things that we have to have and be, to, uh, that we must do to be part of that family. You ready for those? One is engaged hearing of the word. Engaged hearing. Now, I'm not talking about just hearing. I'm not talking about just listening here, but engaged hearing, an active heart, interacting. Even this moment, some of you are interacting with this sermon. That's one of the reasons why I, I've never really wrote a message this way, but I wrote this narrative because I wrote that because I, it, that's, the, that's the way the Lord is. He pulls you into his story. So that, that's the intention, is to pull you in to see the narrative and to interact with it. It's, and it's more than just a story. Does the story move you to do something and to respond to it? And, and so when you're coming on a Sunday morning, that hopefully it isn't just, I'm just getting good information and, and that's great and I'll, I'll, I'll see if I want to do something with that. But there's an active hearing saying, pull me into the story so that, I am, that my heart and my intention is that I will say yes and I will respond and I will do something with what it is that God is, is, is saying to me. That's engaged hearing. And how eager, you know, on your way over on Sunday, I mean, is, is there something in your heart that says, I get to hear a message, I get to hear a word that could change and transform my life and make me more like Jesus. That's active, engaged hearing. That's what he wants from us. That's what he's talking about here. Not just, hey, did you hear that? It's engaged hearing. So that's first, we need engaged hearing. Number two, we also need to put it into practice. I mean, we know in this changing world of ours that we're living in that there's a lot of things that frustrate us it's not easy to live the life of a Christ follower, am I right? But here we are, every one of you represents so much hope to the world. Every one of you has a story and a light and a life and a message that our world needs to see. You get to live the abundant life of Jesus. You get to live, you, you, we should be the most joyful, happy, excited people on the planet because we know this narrative, we know the story, we know where it's going, we know who he is. 
And so, you know, we get, we get a chance to put that into practice in our life and, and to do something with what it is that we know. And so practicing, you know, loving our neighbors as ourselves, loving our families, love, walking in love, you know, we get to practice and put it into practice and all the time. So our text, so all that to say, when Jesus is saying that there in verse 21, there's a shift, there's, there's a transformation, there's something that kind of shifts there. It's because Jesus is calling his disciples to become part of his family. He said, come follow me. They've been hearing, they've been, tra- they, and even some of them are still just really getting it. But now he's saying, come be part of my family. He's calling them to something deeper. He's asking them to go a little bit further. He's inviting these guys to come and to belong to this thing. Not just kind of be, but to belong to it. They've seen, they've heard a lot of stuff. They've believed a little bit. They've seen miracles. Then that's great and that's wonderful. But in this moment, it's in this, that he's saying, I want you to become, I want you to come deeper. And I need you to become even more like me by hearing this word and putting it into practice. He's wanting something more for them. That's what it is. He wanted something more for them. He's wanting extraordinary things for them. He's wanting them to, to move from just friends and acquaintances to family. And I hope there's something in you that says, that's what I want. I don't want to just be a friend and an acquaintance. I want to be family. I want to be part of his spiritual family. I want to be one of those that comes closer, you know, to truly be brother and sister with Jesus. And that's what it means to be part of his family. And so that's what he's calling us to. And that, so when, when in that moment, that's what, he, that's what was going on. He was calling them to that moment. So the family, so, but what, what's going on there, even more specifically to where we're at today, is something that you've been hearing us talk about. And so I just want to take a few minutes and really bring this home. You've heard us talking about that mission wheel of, of, of Connection Point Church of belonging and believing and becoming and bringing this is the moment where he's saying, hey, disciples, I need you to go from believing to becoming. You've believed, you've heard a lot of stuff, but now you need to become. You need to become my family. You need to become my disciples. You need to do this. And so that's what he's calling them to. And of course, you know, we have, he, you know, it starts with understanding the message, you know, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says it so concisely, you know, at first you got to know what the message is, which is, now brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received and on which you have been taking your stand. But by this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word that I preached to you. Otherwise, if you, you believed in vain, for I received, for what I received, I passed on to you as a first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried, he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So most of us here, I, I, I'm, going to, I'm convinced the, the vast majority of us here believe that. But I know the Lord wants more. He's wanting, he doesn't want just believers. He's looking for us to be disciples. He wants us to go from believing to becoming that's great because the truth is it says in James, he says, you believe there's one God, good. Even the demons believe that. So what's the difference between us just believing what the demons do and becoming followers of Jesus? It's in what we do. It's, how, it's in how we respond to this gospel. It's in how we put it into practice. It's what we do with this. And so that's, that's my call to us this morning is that we would become, become family of God by becoming disciples who make disciples who make disciples. We've been talking about this, and I know that you've been hearing about it, and maybe things come up, but listen, this is the call of God to us. This is what God is calling us to. 
This is what the Lord is saying. This is what we are going after. We're putting all of our attention and our affections and our passion and our resources to this because we know that it's that important to go from just believing to becoming. And so it's not enough. Did you know belief is not enough? We have to become part of his family. And he wants us to become part of his family. Second Timothy says this, teach men who can teach others. That's what our heart is. Is that that we will all embrace that, that we are all called to teach men who can teach others. So notice it doesn't say go out and make believers. It says, you know, and, and, and I, I'm afraid that that's a lot of times what we think that we're supposed to do as, as Christians. Aren't we just supposed to go, you know, find people and help them to become, believe in Jesus? Well, it's more than that. We need to, we, our call is to go make disciples. Believing is part of that. Believing is the step into that. But really the, the end goal is that we make disciples. Jesus, that's what he saw. That was the progression. That was his vision. Multiplication, multiplication, multiplication. I'm going to take 12 guys who can make other disciples, who make other disciples, who make other, And for two, over 2,000 years, that has worked. It's been effective. It's successful. And now this message is all over the planet. Why? Because people take that, that model of just simply making disciples. That's, what it, that's really what it's referring to in verse 18 there. It says, nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be made known and come to light. That's God's intention. He wants this thing to come out into the light. He intends for our lights to shine. He intends for us to give back. He intends for it to be unto something more than just something that we believe in and we go, yeah, I know that. But it's to take that and put that light on a stand and put that thing out there and, and let everybody see it and, and that the whole world would benefit from it, right? Amen? So that's so when this when when Jesus says this thing, go therefore in Matthew chapter eighteen, go therefore or twenty eight, excuse me, and make disciples. They they saw it. They got they had the grid for that. This is how it's done. We need to go out and we need to make disciples. And that was their new mission was to go to make more disciples. And let me just say this this way: so can we. That brings all that to say this: let that narrative come right down to where you're sitting right now. So can we. We can also be a part of that multiplication, part of that, in that vision that Jesus had, part of that purpose and that, and that dream that God had for us, which is to do this. So it comes down to us right here. How can we be a part of that story? Just simply live. Live as a disciple. I believe the Lord's calling us to that. I'm hoping you're hearing the spirit of God calling you to that. I'm hoping you're hearing that loud and clear and knowing that this isn't. And can I just speak to my friends who I, some, again, I don't know everybody here by first name. Some of you know I've been a part of this church since 1993. And I want to speak to those, those senior saints, those who are my age and, and older. God's poured a lot into you. God's invested so much into you. God has given you a treasure of knowledge and life that he intends for it to be used. That's a light. And this is the hour that he's calling us to take that light out. It's, it, it, the, the idea that I did, I did my thing at one time, or I, I did my duty, or I did my tour duty, that's, that doesn't work. This, this, in this hour, it's all of us. All of us are supposed to be disciple makers. I just want to encourage every one of you to be a part of this to be a part of, and, and, and to check your heart. And so that's where we're going to close with. I'm just going to close with two simple questions. 
<laughs> Who's training you and who are you training? And those, are, those are interesting questions. And I'm going to ask you to just let the Holy Spirit speak that to you because the truth is every one of us here needs to be in training and to train others. Until the day comes when Jesus comes back, we all need to be in training. We all need to be growing. We all need to be, be discipled as well as discipling others. We all have to be shining our light. Amen? And so I think that's, that's, a, that's, that's something that, that needs to really become part of us and understand that's where Jesus was. That's exactly what Jesus was doing in that moment. It was a profound moment when he was saying, you've been walking with me. You've seen some stuff. You've heard some stuff. The evidence is there. You know the story, but now will you become part of my family? Will you do this thing? Will you jump in and be a part? And that's what God's saying to us today. Will you be a part of this? Will you be a part of this? So I'm going to ask you to stand with me and our worship team is just going to lead us in a song here and I just want your heart to just look at those questions and honestly just only you can answer those but on every one of us I believe must honestly answer these questions I don't think these are questions that you can escape I think we all need to honestly let the Holy Spirit help us to answer these questions and say Lord if if one of them is a no then what do I do How do I respond? Because he needs us to respond to this. He's calling us to respond to this. So let let the Lord just kind of speak to your heart for a little bit as our worship team leads us in this song. And then we'll come back and pray about that together.